You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and Andy and I are back with episode 84 as we discuss what the future is for the NHL, and a little bit about the New York Rangers. So, Andy, how's everything going? How's your Monday morning? It's all right. The weather today stinks. I know I always talk about the weather on here, but I've been feeling under the weather, pun intended. Uh, And yes, yeah, it was torrential downpour, so having to walk my dog in the the rain, I was miserable. Uh, And also, I miss hockey. I'm really missing hockey. It's really getting to me. You know, it was nice that they made the bubble happen, but uh, just my body feels like there needs to be hockey right now, and there's not. And even, now even with the world, uh, the Team Canada's, they had some scrimmages going on, so I was kind of getting geared up and excited for the World Juniors, and now they've shut down for two weeks due to, uh, uh, yeah, a COVID outbreak. So they're quarantining, and there are no more uh, live scrimmages for their camp. So, yeah, hockey is really uh, hard to come by right now, and it's really bothering me, but uh, I just as we're going to get into, I really just want to hear some good news from the league. And it just, they've, they're in a, you know, a, they're playing chicken right now, a little bit of a pissing contest going on. And it's, yeah, it's really pissing me off. Cause I just, I just want news. I just need something to really hold on to. So, uh, yeah, not feeling, not feeling great. The weather's been bad and there's, uh, no talks about when hockey will return. So I'm, I am, uh, yeah, not, not great, Bob. <laughs> well, I feel physically great. Can't complain with that. Uh, mentally, I am just all over the place in the process of, you know, selling my place and looking at new ones and, uh, you know, people asking me for a title insurance policy. I send them one and then they're like, no, it's a different one. And it's like, I don't re- remember having two of those. I don't even remember having one of them. So uh, it's just been an absolute mess. And, uh, it's kind of given me a little bit of a distraction, but uh, yeah, but I feel it in the air, you know, the, you know, between the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas really is like the time to really get excited about New York Rangers hockey. And, you know, I feel like we don't, we don't have that. We're missing that piece of our life that was always there and now it's gone. Uh, You know, I, I would say the optim, the optimism in me, even though there's not much, we'll say that when it does finally come back, we will appreciate it more. 
I don't know. I don't know if that's true for you, but I, I think I will. Oh, no, it's definitely true for me. It's uh, I think it'll be true about most things with this pandemic. I mean, I was thinking about like, what's the first thing I would do, especially now as we have more news that maybe at least uh, hospitals might get uh, vaccines in the, you know, in the, the late weeks of December. And what was the first thing I would do if I was vaccinated and there was no risk of me spreading to others or myself getting infected? Like, and restaurants and bars and every other places were open. It's like, what is the one thing I would do? And a part of me is like, I would just sit at like a 24 hour diner and just order a cup of coffee after watered down cup of coffee and just enjoy getting to do something, you know, like, uh, just, yeah, just philosophically just being able to do something and just sit there and just, uh, yeah. Even though it doesn't sound glamorous, it's just, it'll feel so good just to be able to say like, I can be here of my own volition and there's no, no, uh, there's no moral or, you know, questions or yeah, it's just, yeah, it'll be nice. So with hockey, yeah. once it's here, I don't care. Like I can, I'm going to be, I'm, I'm all full of piss and vinegar right now, but when it's finally here, I will welcome it back crying, sobbing in open arms and say <laughs> like, ne- please never leave me again. I, I need you. Yeah. And, and I also think, you know, as well, as you know, per my personal life, uh, the job that I have is kind of, all over the place. So like I said, it's been distractions after distractions after distractions, and it's still hitting me hard. I can only imagine, you know, you being still in, you know, the metropolitan area, how much worse it is, you know, for you to walk down a city street and not having that seven o'clock start or even the 10 o'clock start in anticipation and just the buzz of New York City during this time of year. It's just like everything is just stripped away from you, Andy. And, uh, you know, if you got to let it out, let it out. Now's the time to do it. All right. Well, then very quickly, here's here's I know this is a hockey podcast, but you've you've opened the floodgates and this is your own fault. Uh, I'm (laughs) sad that I won't get to walk through, uh, you know, down Madison Avenue and look at the displays. I'm the guy that people everyone loves Christmas and I love the date the entire month leading up to Christmas, maybe more than I love Christmas itself. I love the buzz in the air. I love walking on a brisk street and getting like a cider or a hot chocolate or a coffee and just, you know, seeing the people bustle about with their little scarves and their pea coats and their jackets and kids are excited and they got their mittens. I love it. I'm a sucker. Me and my wife, we watch Hallmark movies. We love them. Mm-hmm. They're so bad. And that's what makes them so good. Absolutely. And yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm all about it. Like I'm every, every you know, ever listen to like uh, an Andy Williams Christmas song and they're like, who likes this stuff? I do. I'm the person who likes that <laughs> stuff. So <laughs> uh yeah i mean listen it, it's tough right now but i i'm making the mess most of it i got my christmas tree yesterday uh, i opted to get a not a full-fledged huge tree just because it's like not a full-fledged huge year but i got a like a short a short stubby one so we've been calling him me and my wife have been calling him short king uh, <laughs> so we got short king my christmas tree and we're gonna make the most of it so uh hopefully i get i'm, I'm for christmas i get some more good news about the nhl start date Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, just hockey in general to be back. And, you know, what was nice and we'll bring this up now was the drama that happened after the Jake Paul and Nate Robinson fight. And what I'm talking about is not that actual fight, but the drama that ensued after the fight and has led to a heated rivalry on top of the heated rivalry that the Sharks 
and the Golden Knights had. And it just made me realize, oh my God, I really miss hockey a lot because those games were much watch. And, and I, you know, it's just like, it puts it really into perspective how much you miss the game. And I know we're dwelling on there not being hockey, but uh, talk about the hockey drama that happened. Uh, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, so like James said, uh, we, we had a series of fights uh, the other day. One was uh, uh, Mike Tyson versus, uh, uh, what, what's his name from the former Nick, New York Knicks. Of course, he gets, uh, no, I'm sorry, that was Jake Paul for it. So yeah. Ty, was it Tyson and, who did Tyson Tyson and Roy uh, Jones Jr. Roy Jones Jr. And they went to a draw, although I think, uh, I didn't get to watch the fight, but people were saying that Tyson got robbed and that he should have won. So I'll, I'll believe that, you know, the guy's scary. And then, uh, you know, I guess I don't even know what he is anymore. I guess you would say uh, YouTube personality, Jake Paul uh, fights Roy Jones, uh, not Roy Jones. He fights, uh, what's his name from the Knicks, right? Um, uh, Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson. Yes, of course. And he knocks him out. He KOs him, right? So everyone, I think, I guess, did Jake Paul run his mouth at, because you probably know more about this than me, but well, after the fight, he, 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 in his press conference, he like ran his mouth or something more. Didn't, well, he, didn't he challenge? Did he challenge Conor, like Conor McGregor to a fight? Well, or he something? challenged Conor McGregor years ago. So I, I honest, to be honest, I didn't really know who Jake Paul actually was until I really looked him up. So and he really like I thought like YouTuber was kind of a joke. No, he really is like a YouTuber. Like that was his job. No, he has like so, millions of followers. Yeah, and like I mean, I totally get it. Like whatever, uh, more power to him. But whenever you see something like that, you always got to know that they're playing an angle of you know they want the attention so but i didn't really see him like run his mouth the only thing i saw him say was that like nate robinson was like a like a good fighter and it takes a lot of guts to get in the ring and stuff like that i I don't i didn't really come across and like again i researched this probably you know sitting on the toilet you know that's it that's the extent of my work you know just in my office and what what I didn't see him run his mouth really or do anything like that. But I would imagine yeah, if okay. your boxing matches are literally centered around the two guys running the mouth at each other, threatening to kill them. So when, you know, the drama came out on Twitter, the first article, I'm, I'm all over the place tonight. So I apologize. But the first article right. I saw was all the NBA players making fun of Nate Robinson getting knocked out. So that's where I was introduced to this. Once I read that, then I saw that Pat, uh, Evander Kane then called out uh, uh, Jake Paul, and I was like, "This is this is getting good." Then Reeves called him out, and Leonard called him out, and I was like, "This is even getting even better." And then <laughs> Leonard and Reeves turned on Evander Kane, and like basically called him out. And that's where like the drama really got good. Like th- those two calling him out, and then Leonard topping it off, calling him Baby Shark, was just absolutely gold. That is gold. And Leonard also, I think he he like either directly tweeted or subtweeted Jake Paul, just literally just saying like, "I will fuck you up." <laughs> like, yeah, and I, yeah, I believe him. Leonard's a Leonard's a tough, tough, stocky dude. And and listen, I Evander Kane, I'd imagine is is a tough customer too. And Reeves, I mean, my God, like I think any all, I think you could pick any th- one of those three. And this is no, you know, listen, I, I understand Jake Paul, I guess, has been training boxing because this is not his first uh, 
boxing fight he's been in in the last few years. I guess it's like a crossover thing for him. It's a way to take his brand to a new level. So maybe he's training. I still just think like probably not naturally an athlete that any one of uh, Evander. I well, but in fairness, I guess you know you you would have thought that Nate Robinson, being an athlete himself, could have done something about it. But um, no, you know. Kane or Reeves would definitely, I think, and even yeah, and even Robert Leonard, I think any one of them could probably handle uh, Jake Paul. But yeah, just to see it devolve, de- I guess you could say, into infighting between you know teams that are naturally have a, a heated rivalry based on you know those, those wild games, uh, not this current playoffs, but the, the years prior. You know, um, well, this, yeah, it's wild and uh, it's interesting. It's just good to see that these teams still hate each other about topics they agree upon off the ice. Like they still can't even like be on the same side. Like Evander, you know, calling out Reeves's sisters or something. Uh, it was unbelievable. It was like they were on the same side of the drama. They both wanted to kill Jake Paul. And Reeves is still like, and now they both shut your mouth. Each other. Yeah. yeah. Now they want to kill each other. And like, listen, these, these celebrity boxing things, I think they're, p- people are starting to realize that they're, they're gold mines, you know, they're going to get a ton of money. Uh, you know, there's got to be drama. There's got to be a storyline behind it. Uh, there's got to be some hatred. And, you know, they want the public split 50-50. Uh, Nate Robinson was, you know, he, before the fight, I guess he was saying, uh, you know, I not only do I represent, you know, myself, my family and stuff like that, but I represent athletes. And I think it was kind of just a gut shot to all the athletes out there that this YouTuber knocked them out. And, yeah. you know, I, whatever, I don't really care about that fight. What I do care about is that it sparked more rivalry in hockey. And that's and that's what we need. So I, I'm just super excited for the yeah. the NHL to start. And I can't wait to watch the first game of the Knights and Sharks. Yeah, listen, I, you know, I've been obviously to to fill the hole in my heart. I've been watching so much hockey clips on YouTube and. I'll go in like ruts, like I'll get in a rut where I like to watch a bunch of stuff from when I was growing up. So like 90s hockey with Gary Thorne calling it clips. Then I'll like want to watch current clips of the Rangers. And then recently it's been just all fight stuff, you know, just go to Hockey Fights uh, channel on YouTube and just go down the rabbit hole. And honestly, we were I think you asked me last podcast or two podcasts ago, we were talking about like what's our favorite uh, sound in hockey. And I know I, I had spoken about like the uh the, when everyone holds their breath on a, when a guy's on a, a one you know one-on-one on the goalie you know uh but there's also when you're at a live game and all of a sudden two guys just throw their gloves down and everyone just gets a, gets out of their seat gets excited and, and, and yells just like oh here we go and like we watch you watch a fight it's amazing it's the best you know it's such a it's such a uh, an awesome you know the 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 excitement level just j- doubles on like in a moment and it's amazing so um yeah, I'm obviously very nostalgic. Christmas time is a nostalgic time anyway. So Christmas time in a pandemic where the NHL season is uh, nowhere to be seen at the moment is making me extra nostalgic. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. It's it's rough. It's rough for everyone. And obviously the NHL has kind of hit a rut in in talking and finding an agreement that works for both the owners and the players. And I'll be honest with you. I kind of avoid those articles because I have the mindset that it'll eventually work itself out. But for people who don't really know uh, the details, I know you, you know, look, 
you know, deep into these situations and usually have a, uh, a, a clear mind, you know, analyst, analyst, uh, approach to what's happening. So, uh, I take yeah. your word for it. So what's happening here? Okay. So, you know, just to put it plainly for people. So, uh, prior to the return to play for the Stanley cup playoffs, when the pandemic hit, uh, the league and the NHLPA came to an agreement, you know, a, a return to play agreement that included, this is what we need to, both sides need to give up for order for, because obviously we're not going to have the same amount of revenue coming in and that affects the bottom line and that affects operating costs and yada, yada, yada. So uh, a part of that was like, they were included in that was, uh, per, you know, caps for escrow for the player, you know, for what the players were uh, paying in because we, as we, if you, if you follow hockey, you know, escrow is a dirty word because it, it kind of, it's supposed to guarantee like an equal uh, split of, of revenue. And, you know, it really, all it really does is like, you know, pad the owner's pockets and the players don't see much of anything from it. Um, so now it's, uh, you know, there was increased, uh, you know, at, at the time they signed that agreement, I think the owners to return to play, uh, you know, it kind of raised those little escrow ceilings for the players for how much, you know, what they were contributing. And it would, that was just to kind of offset operating costs. And they're like, listen, I think the owners, I think make this, you know, everyone's trying to get back to playing. And I think the league and the owners are confident that they're like, Oh, well, when we start the season next year, we'll be able to do it with limited capacity. And now that's clearly not going to happen. You're going to have most, if not all start with no fans in the building and then hopefully scale up as we get roll out of a vaccine. Um, so with that in mind, they are now, they return to the NHLPA and they're like, listen, we need, we are, uh, we have some franchises that are, and owners that are coming to us and they're saying that it's like operating, it, it, it's almost like they're losing money to try to run a season. It's better for them not to run at all because they're, you know, not, not every, uh, owner in the league is super rich or super, you know, they're, a lot of them might be liquid. They just, you know, it's that they have, there's revenue, but it's like, it's yeah, it's not in there. It's not so it's not like you can just pluck it out of thin air. So they're they the, the league has gone back to the players and said, like, we're at, has asked for uh, increased deferral of like those payments, basically, you know, a little bit more into the escrow payment and has pushed it back. Now, um, <laughs> obviously, the players are like, what what like you sold us a false bill of goods. We already signed something we, we had a deal you know we we thought we we settled this we thought we settled this this is the you said this is what the terms we signed it and that should be it and now you're going to come back to us so there's a lot of the right now it seems that it that it's a non-starter for the players that they refuse to or they're 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 being steadfast and refusing to like to budge on what they previously agreed on before the return to play and the league i guess they really this, they're saying this is what they need and they're trying not to move either because they're they're I think in their head they're like you know listen no one for, has for no one has handled this uh, pandemic in stride and no one could have foresaw this although you probably could have that's a different that's a whole different debate though um and yeah and now and thus we're kind of at a stalemate I know as of the recording of this podcast they have after maybe not speaking for a week to let tensions cool down I think there's communication but it seems to be that no one is really budging on uh, you know, the, the league's asks and, you know, I think for the players, I, like I said, in their head there, it's like, this is, you know, I'm sorry to, sorry to hear that, but that this is not our problem. Now, Larry Brooks of our fa uncle Larry, the New York post actually had a pretty f 
interesting article the other day about how the Seattle Kraken could save uh, the upcoming NHL season because in and in, you know and like like I said I, I'm tough on Larry like is everyone but when it, usually the funny thing is when it comes to the Rangers his opinions are head scratchers and sometimes just flat out wrong I don't even know if he's got his sources anymore it seems like but because he's usually wrong but when it comes to things like he ha- seems to have the inside track on CBA negotiations labor negotiations and he usually is a good big picture guy for that and he he comes up with the bright idea that he's like, listen, we have a team that is coming to the NHL next year, the Seattle Kraken. And part of them coming in is there'll be like a six hundred million dollar uh, league entry fee that they'll pay. Why not ask them to, you know, who, that investment group or they're going to have to pay it anyway. So you'd imagine they'd have a portion to, to front up, you know, uh, half of that payment up front you know, in good faith or whatever, or who knows, maybe work out some deal to save the money in the back end. Like maybe it, it lessens their payment over time or even just to give them relief next year when under full operating costs. But that will give the league, the th- uh, he, you know, I guess he calculated the the approximately like $350 million they need uh, to, you know, um, I guess to... <laughs> to level things out for their some of their owners and their operating costs and that the way the players aren't going to have to take a yet and you know go back and take even you know more money out of their own wallets and everyone goes is happy. So it's an interesting idea. I you know I don't know there I you know I don't know it's like that leaves a lot on on Seattle and you know their the the ownership group there but um you know I don't know I just thought it was interesting. Uh James do you have any thoughts? Well yeah, I mean, there's a lot to kind of break down here, but to yeah, sorry, talk... I, I know I had a word. No, 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 there, no. And it's it's good. I mean, a lot of this, you know, is kind of a little bit news to me. So, you know, I'm trying to take it all in and 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 think of all the moving pieces and how they have to work together to make this happen. And and it does kind of sound like so simple, but it's really not because there's too many pockets in play here. There's uh, there's you know, health cost and and just everything is a total mess right now and it's not easy to do anything, but having the money up front from Seattle does seem like a really good idea. Now, again, there's going to have to be incentive there for Seattle to front that money because if we're talking about, you know, tens of millions to hundreds of millions of dollars, the time value of money, you know, sitting in the bank, collecting interest, they're going to want to see a better return you know, if they were going to be fronting that money. So again, that'll have to be then negotiated, but at least there'll be movement and, and talks and uh, maybe light at the end of the tunnel. If that ends up being uh, the situation that the NHL goes down. But uh, yeah. I had a question oh, sorry, for you. you. I had a question yeah, sure. for you though. Like the players, sure. the players are kind of refusing to not, to not give any more into escrow, which, you know, makes sense. But again, why the same thing with the Seattle, if they can front the money, can't they ask for a lower rate than the following seasons? Like, I feel like this could kind of be an easy fix. And I feel like it might be more complicated now because is there a true desire to kind of start the season in, in January? Well, you know, the biggest thing I think the players are banking on is that the the league really cannot afford uh, the league needs this season to burn, you know, a year off of their that final year off their contract to get them to negotiate the new TV US TV deal. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is a this is a very critical time for them to do this. Uh, and 
yeah, I think the the players know this. Hence, they're and you know the players in that memorandum it was a, a memorandum of understanding. I think it was called uh, that they came to before the plans, where they already in, agreed to like increase you know the cap on their escrow payments, like, uh, and yeah. So they you know I think in their minds they're like the league is literally like we are making all the sacrifices and the league just keeps trying to come to us and they don't offer us anything up and I don't know what you know what uh, if there has been any you know I don't know we have a whole other podcast on my feelings on, on how the NHLPA has like constantly bar like literally has has like fought to get things that you know the league took away only to knowingly give them back later to make sure they didn't have to give them like things they really wanted that's a whole nother podcast but yeah um yeah I just think in their minds are just like why is it always us like why you know I mean you know it's and yeah. And like I said, I won't get too much into it because I have so many thoughts on that and that could be a separate podcast. But it's like, you know, I think a bit of this is on the NHLPA leadership. And I'm not saying specifically like Don Fear, but just in general, it just seems over the the past few contracts and, the you know, in the past few CBAs, it's just they they're constantly, you know, it's just very, all their negotiations have been very short sighted. And it was only a matter of time before something like this would happen. They've you know, they've escrow has been the bane of their existence for years and they have done you know, they, they negotiate for things like, oh, return to the Olympics as part of there as a sweetener. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, I they, they refuse to like, you know, the problem is that every year there's a guy who's like, hey, I'm about to get paid. I'm not going to like, you know, I'm not, you know, it's like I, I, I toughed it out. And now I'm about to get paid. So you're not going to, you know, I'm not going to let any of these negotiations, you know, jeopardize my earning power or position or limiting contract years or things like that, you know. But at the same time, like younger guys, you know, it's like the younger guys want shorter con either, you know, it's like shorter contracts with more money up front or, you know, increase. Whereas other older guys are like, yeah, they're trying to extend things and they want that security of the extra time. So it's just, yeah, I just think in a nutshell, they really, there really does seem to be, you know, it seems to be this issue where the, the players do really think the league has, has repeatedly just they never they never they're never willing to take a hit it's always they have to take the hit you know and they they also look at i think some similar deals that uh you know that were signed in the nba and you look at those leagues that have started up and and the uh the nfl and the olb and just yeah i just i think that's another thing by the way is that you see all these other leagues playing i think that's another that the optics of the nhl not playing when all these other leagues are somehow finding a way to make it work whether it's you can whether it's actually working or not i think that's a huge would be a huge blow to them in their own in their own eyes Right. And, you know, looking at what the the NHL, the history of the NHL and the, and the negotiating, they seem to be the worst league out of all of it. And, you know, I'll have to say, like, the NHL doesn't have superstars. And you may say, yeah, Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, you know, McKinnon, you know, all these players are big names, but they're not they're not vocal leaders and they don't represent the players like they should because just hockey culture in general seems to be, you know, team first, me second, which is great when you want to win a championship. But when it comes to negotiating with, you know, the owners and trying to create uh, a fair uh, contract that, you know, sees the benefit for both sides, you kind of just don't see the vocal leadership. And it seems like the leaders that do talk about these things aren't you know there's no backbone to them like they're they're not the big names they're not the Sidney Crosby's and and I could be totally wrong about all this but that's what just the optics 
from my point of view, that's what it seems like is happening constantly. Yeah, I just think it's like on the one hand, I like the players feel like it is that it's like there's that I am frustrated. It's like, you know, I'm looking for the league to be like, all right, we'll make it work. Well, you know, and I listen, I don't know the I'm not smart enough to know the the financial in, ins and outs of the league and which owners are need that money up for are liquid for operating and, and which one, you know, which ones are can take the hit. Like, I just it's like, I don't know that. But it's at the same time, it's like every it, this seems like this is an issue every time there's a new uh, it's time for a new cba or there's a new you know there's or they they're, they're renegotiating with the league and it's just always such a surprise like elliot friedman said there was audible gas when the league came back to them and like they were surprised they were even asking it's like are you serious did you not see this coming and because they were talk there was talks that that like they're gonna have to try to figure something else out because if they don't you know if they can't get any money like the you know that memorandum that memorandum of understanding they signed to get back into the bubble was literally that it was just that like we understand we have to make something happen to make up to finish the season and do the playoffs and they did and that was their goal and they achieved it and they you know they both the players in the league deserve all the credit in the world for that but yeah i mean yeah well, i don't also i don't know at, if this is something yeah sorry what are you going to say no i was going to say like look at just the situation from both sides though are they in the room with with are, are both sides like truly in in have the intentions of starting the season in January? I mean, if you're looking at the you know the cities across America, just America in general, you know, and, and around the world, it's it's spiking everywhere. You know, the it seems like the the lockdowns when they loosened up to kind of jumpstart the economy a little bit things got looser, things got messier. And now we're seeing the consequences of that. You know, maybe these players are not that eager. or Maybe these owners are seeing like, well, maybe if we delay it a month or two, we might have, you know, a larger set of games with fans in the seats to help save a little bit more revenue. Like I would like to see the, the breakdown of, you know, season the season starting january 1st season starting february 1st season starting march 1st with you know fewer games but you know fans in the seats like there's no reason why the nhl can't have a 40 game season starting march as opposed to an 82 game schedule starting in january but there's no fans in those first 40 games like i kind of want to see the breakdown or, or at least hear the discussions of multiple plans because you can't go into any type of negotiation with just a one track mind. Like you have to have backup plans. You have to have backup plans to the backup plans. This is a pandemic. This isn't just a, a negotiation for, you know, the, the next few years for, you know, for these two unions, you, they need to figure this stuff out. Like, and this should have been dealt with a long time ago. Like, I don't know why we're coming to the, the table here. Listen to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast, your one-stop shop for Islanders news, analysis, and opinions, featuring the biggest personalities in sports podcasting, TJ and the Grumpy Old Man. That's right, TJ. If you want your opinions viewed through orange and blue-colored glasses from an Islander Bobo and charter member of the Inlouie Trust crowd, you'll love the measured commentary from TJ. On the other hand, if you want the unvarnished truth of a hockey purist, a genius, a legend, and an all-around great guy, the Grumpy Old Man's insane ramblings will be just what you need to survive each and every week. An all-around great guy. 
Well, we also have weekly installments of Stump the Grump, an absolute fan favorite. Make sure to participate in our live streams and listen every Monday and Thursday to the bi-weekly podcast. You can find the Islanders Never Say Die podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. You know, an added wrinkle to all this is they have to fill this season in. And, you know, NBC is as of, you know, in this, even though their their contract is coming to a close, NBC is their their U.S., you know, their major, their national U.S. broadcaster. Uh, the Summer Olympics is still planning to go along. They're hoping that, you know, the world will be in a, there will at least there will be enough, uh, uh, say, you know, between rollout of a vaccine to return things to at least, uh, you know, feasible reality for the Olympics to proceed, uh, even if with slight, you know, I'm sure there'll still be health precautions. But uh, I think NBC has made it clear to the league that they need all of their, they need thing, the playoff wrapped up by a certain, you know, certain date. I'm not sure when the Olympics is, but I think that's complicating things where it's like you can only push back so much. Whereas you're, it's not like you have unlimited, whereas last summer it didn't matter because there was nothing going on. But NBC is like, if you want us to broad, you know, we're not gonna be able to broadcast your games past this date because like this is all blocked off for the Summer Olympics. So, you know, if you're going to get it in, this is you got to get it in soon. So that's just obviously another added frustration and wrinkle for the, the the league and the players in terms of negotiating. So, you know, I don't think I don't think the league goes lower than, you know, 40, uh, 48 games, maybe, you know, but. I, yeah, I think it's a concern the longer this this goes on, or at least in terms of just, you know, just uh, if maybe the owners do want to push, but that the league is also, pro- you know, even though it's Bettman's job is to represent the owners, I really do think that this, you know, he's to blame for a lot of things. I don't think he's to blame for this. I think, you know, his job, unfortunately, is to be the voice of the owners. And yeah, right now, I think he wants to, you know, he has to, to placate all sides in this because he understands the importance of getting the season done in terms of how the optics compared to the other major sports league in terms of burning that contract year off so they can renegotiate their TV deal. Meanwhile, you, like you said, James, the owners are probably like, well, I, I don't want to, you know, if there's not going to be fans, I don't want to play at all. So why don't we just see how things look in February? So maybe I can get, you know, yeah, I just think there's a lot. I think the league and, and the players both want this to go down. I just think you have some owners that are like, if it's can't, if I'm not going to make my bottom line, I'm not going to lose money doing this. So yeah, it's, 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 complicated and it sucks and the fans lose out the most you know not obviously yeah, the players that. lose out too but you know because they even i think they feel like you know they feel on the one hand the league is like well if you don't play you're not getting any money but at the same time i think that like we said the players i think they understand that that's not doesn't seem like a feasible option and that all sides really do want to play so i do i still think the league i still think this happens but i i think january 1st isn't unless we hear something the next week i i can't imagine january 1st being a tangible date to start well i i was optimistic at the beginning of the podcast i am <laughs> but that was more of just like life in general yeah with this starting i don't see january 1st being uh an option i i, I don't even really see the mid-january being an option uh, i think I think you'll get to a point in December where both players and owners will say, we'll see you after the holiday. We'll see you after new year's and we'll start again. Uh, I think February is probably more realistic date, uh, especially because, you know, you know, not to get into COVID and, and the vaccine and stuff, but like, it seems to be a promising sign that the vaccine will be flowing, uh, by that time you know, late January into, into February. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, ho- hopefully, and that talk of the vaccine for approval seems to be in December. So, you know, if that could change a lot of things. I would hope that the NHL uh, and along with all the major sports, they have a group of people talking to, uh, you know, the leading doctors at, at the state level about what is happening, like where they see, you know, their state, you know, in the upcoming months, just to get an idea of, you know, possible revenue from fans or just, you know, you know, just everything, you know, there's so many moving parts to this that, you know, everyone needs to be in contact with everyone. So God, this is, you know, it's so frustrating because it seems so simple, but it's frustrating because you know, it really isn't that simple. And there's just too many, too many, you know, chefs in the kitchen. So I, I still think, even though I think it's unlikely, I, I have not a totally ruled out January 1st, but th- this is the week, man. It's the, you know, where this is the final, by the time you're listening to this, it, it, it you know, it'll, uh, it'll, you know, we're in the first week of December. So if it's going to happen, you know, especially because remember teams had wanted to do training camp a week early, uh, you know, or some teams that weren't included in the bubble would wanted to have access to training camp. They wanted like an extra week and a half or two weeks or whatever it was. I forget what they agreed on, but you know, so especially if January 1st, it's like it would have to, they'd have to decide this week. Uh, I know players have mostly returned, you know, they, I know the league had told players that, you know, listen, get yourself over here now for, you know, or get to your respective cities because we're, this is the goal. So I think players have operated under that assumption. So it's like, I think they, I think things could mobilize pretty fast, but at the same time, it's just, yeah, you know, you don't, because the league is not going to release their plans uh, before they have that agreement in place. So we don't know what they've got cooked up. We don't know if they've already been talking to buildings about, you know, availability. We don't know about if they, if they're going to have like, you know, stay in like hub cities where you just stay in the area and play a bunch of games there, you know, teams congregate and then rotate just so to reduce travel and we don't know these things you know these it's all speculative because we haven't really heard too much because obviously they're not going to talk about it until they have that you know they have it agreed with the players so um i don't think that dream of january 1st hockey is dead yet but it it is it is on life support definitely so andy i really wanted to ask you your thoughts on obviously when the nhl does come back things are going to look a little bit different there's obviously a lot of uh, geographical challenges to making this NHL season happen. Uh, new divisions, a little bit of a realigning. I know they're looking at an all-Canadian division, and we haven't really discussed this on the podcast yet, but what, what are your thoughts on um, you know, the new divisions? I mean, yeah, like you said, it's not set in stone, but it's mo- it seems the most likely uh, course of action. Uh, travel restrictions are still in place for the border of Canada. So obviously it makes uh, it, there, I don't think there will be ways for teams to circumvent that. So an all Canadian division seems the most likely. And then obviously trying to minimize travel. Uh, some of the, some of the division, you know, with some of the teams that are, uh, especially in the central uh, United States, which are just seems, you know, haphazardly and arbitrarily assigned to either a central or a Pacific uh, yeah, I think they're going to rethink this just to and redraw those lines just for this season. Uh, yeah, just to make it the most safe. Like I had mentioned earlier, it seems that I'm. I think 
you know, I, I would assume the plan is for teams to fly, you know, spend more time in a single city and maybe, you know, try to get uh, a few games done back to back just so teams aren't flying as much, you know, maybe it's, it'll be a thing where they're like, it's a, it's longer times on the road, but then when you get off, you're at home for longer stretches too, just to try to mitigate and minimize, you know, um, as far as what those divisions will look like, I mean, like I said, you'll probably have an all Canadian division. I assume you have, a, a you know, a Eastern seaboard, uh, division, which would basically constitute the two Northern teams that are, you know, the, the Atlantic teams, the Bruins and, and the, the Buffalo Sabres will be absorbed in, with all those Metro teams. Um, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see if a team like Columbus is jumps a division, who knows, uh, you know, Detroit was, will probably no longer be a uh, an Atlantic Division team. They'll probably get lumped in with some of the teams, and like with the Hawks and the St. Louis Blues, and hell, even Columbus might join that division too. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, you'll have all the uh, the the West Coast, the 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 U.S. West Coast teams be lumped in a division too. You know, between Vegas, San Jose, the L.A. Kings, and the Ducks, and uh, yeah. But again, obviously, the league is not releasing these things before they're not putting the cart before the horse, but you have to assume that's what's being talked about. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and, you know, I, I personally think that, uh, the Canadian division will actually be pretty cool. I think a lot more people will be interested to see what happens having, you know, kind of that gauntlet of all the Canadian teams, you know, creating maybe a little bit of a, a Canada prideful rivalry going on. So I think that'll be pretty awesome. Obviously, being a Rangers fan, it's not that sexy. You know, you, we're still going to be playing the same teams. Uh, you know, obviously, we're going to be playing the Devils, the Islanders, the Flyers, and Boston. You know, it's all kind of right there lumped together, which is probably a good thing. But, uh, you know, still, hopefully playing those teams a lot more during the season will be, you know, you know, create a little bit more of that rivalry sense because don't, doesn't it seem like in the past that the Rangers and devils, like they never like played in the beginning of the season. Yeah. I mean, the devils have the Rangers and the devils have been kind of, uh, you know, outside of obviously when they met in the playoffs a few years ago, uh, many moons ago, was it eight years ago now? Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, they, they haven't for the last seemingly decade, they haven't been on the same page where they both either the Rangers have been good. The devils have been kind of, perpetually rebuilding and now even the rangers are a few steps ahead of the Devils. so yeah games haven't been that chippy uh i i know we had one game last season where uh there was a bunch of fights i think brendan lemieux <laughs> fought like miles wood or something tony fought uh i forget who whoever the, the fuck and uh even i think leah sanderson dropped the gloves with with someone so um but yeah like you said james it, it the, if there's a good thing to come out of this, even though it'll be less games, shortened schedule, you're going to have more rivalry games. Uh, the Rangers are going to play the Islanders and the Devils a lot and the Flyers a lot. You know, potentially they'll play Carolina a lot. I'm sure there's still some hurt feelings there. Uh, Matthew Kachuk is going to play the Edmonton Oilers how many times? <laughs> and I'm going to have yeah. to, you know, they could build into a beautiful uh, crescendo of, of you know, chaos. I, I, I can't wait to watch that. Um yeah, and yeah, I think you're just that's like I said. If there's one good thing to come out of it, it'll most likely be that of uh, getting to watch. Maybe who knows? Maybe we see an uh, igniting that uh, the Kings and uh, Sharks rivalry a bit, and like you mentioned, Reeves and Evander Kane are going to go up against each other a bunch this season. So that should be fun. Um, yeah, so hopefully, I don't know if it's just the circumstance is going to make everyone feel weird about it, but I think by if you play each other three games in a row, I think 
especially in in short order you know if you play each other in like a quick succession i think there's going to be a lot you're not going to have an elephant or excuse me you will have that elephant memory because it's just like you know you're gonna you're gonna remember what the result of the last game and it's not like you're gonna get if if you get you know embarrassed on the ice, it's not like you you don't meet them again until the end of the season. You got a chance to you know exact your revenge almost immediately. So we'll see. But yeah, uh, it, again, you won't have the fans in the in the seats, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, it didn't seem to hurt the intensity of the playoffs this year. So no, and and you see that that type of scheduling done in in uh, the lesser leagues. You know, the East Coast League especially will play each other. You know, three times in a row in like a four day span. So. To you know, obviously to save you know costs on travel, and and those things you you know those games get real intense because it's like you're playing the same same team over and over and over again. You get to know each other, you get to hate each other, and it you know makes for a, a beautiful product. And there'll be nothing more I'd love to see than playing the Devils and Islanders, especially after having like a hiatus of of hockey really in New York. And uh, I know you know the Islanders you know, went, you know, pretty deep into the bubble, but you know, that's a secondary market at the end of the day, Andy. So we can't really count that as a, you know, a full fledged run. (laughs) You know, we want to, we want the New York Rangers to be in that spot. So it'll be a lot of fun just to see, just to see hockey, but then let alone, you know, the schedule really uh, cultivating around uh, a rivalry aspect, you know, playing teams in the metropolitan area will be a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, another thing to think about, too, is that most likely the AHL will start up uh, in uh, February. That's the plan. But if they have extended taxi squad rosters, obviously, because if if while the pandemic is still at large and players might ha- are at risk of testing positive, uh, then, yeah, they're going to have to have expanded, you know, expanded rosters. And you'll have a lot more guys trying to make an immediate impact and keep those spots that they might luck them, themselves into that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So who knows? You have some some career AHLers who are like, this is my season to stick because I'm not usually talented enough, but if I can just come in and, you know, just cause some, some havoc and some energy and drop the gloves with whoever I have to, you know, make a good impression on, on like the coaching staff. So who knows, maybe you'll see a lot, you know, some spirit, exchange, more spirit exchanges this season, you know, hope uh, yeah, knock on wood, hopefully. Now, have they said anything about uh, like, you know, once, once the season starts, right. And it gets going, like a plan to if there's like a pause at all like are they taking any breaks because i know in the nba they kind of flirted with the idea of of playing like because it's such an intense cramped schedule for next season for them that they want to do like a a two-week hiatus where teams can take a break and be with their family have the nhl said anything like that no, you know, like I had said earlier, the NHL has been incredibly tight-lipped about what their plans are. They're not putting the cart before the horse. I think they want to know that the players are in and that they can agree to making this happen so then they know what time frame they have to work with. So then they know, is it feasible to uh, give players extended time off? You know, no All-Star game, obviously, uh, this season, I would assume, or, you know, you know, Stadium Series or Winter Classics or what, what have you. So yeah, I think they they need to know what they're working with first. Whereas because the NBA much uh, much smoother negotiations with its own players. Obviously, that's a league that caters to its players, and obviously they got something done. So yeah, I mean, you'd have to imagine. I assume they're gonna uh, they're with their scheduling. They're gonna try to like I had said originally, have guys. You're, you might have more days on, but then in return you get more days off. And I made that might even include like a 
teams are still getting a you know a full bye week, and, and it might it might be a genuine one because not you're not going to have players going to an All Star game or anything like that where everyone gets time off no matter what. I don't know if they rotate. I don't know if they're going to all be at the same time, but yeah, we'll see. So it seems like the you know the NHL has a lot of questions to answer, and it'll be you know an interesting next couple of weeks to see where they are and where they're heading. And so, you know, Andy, kind of to wrap things up, where do you uh, see the NHL in in the next week and what can we expect? Well, we know that after uh, a cooling off period that the NHLPA and the league are talking again, it still seems like they're neither side is budging on their uh, their asks the league with increased, uh, you know, escrow cap deferral for the you know, for the players to offset the, you know, the loss of revenue with, by not having uh, fans in the seats to start the season. And then obviously uh, the players not wanting to do that. So uh, yeah, hopefully we hear something this week. We know they're in contact. Uh, uh, you know, I think, like I had said, if they plan on reconvening the season, you know, and, and starting up again, January 1st, we have to hear it this week. If not, then I think it, we're looking at more, most likely at a February 1st start date. Or, not, or maybe even before, maybe just middle of January. Maybe they, they don't mind pushing it there. But uh, yeah, hopefully we hear something soon. Um, yeah, I mean, because like I said, we're everyone's Jones are for hockey right now. We hope that cooler heads prevail. We know there's a lot of hurt feelings right now. No one kind of, there's no perfect way to, 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 to deal with a, a global pandemic and the challenges it presents itself, which is frustrating because it's like usually there's a clear right and a clear wrong, but we understand there's a lot of, gray area with this i don't know if he you know it's yeah i don't know if either side's wrong it's just they have their their they have to do what's in their own best interest and unfortunately that puts them at odds but yeah hopefully we get some good news soon uh thank you for so much for tuning in uh we're excited to be back two days a week now episodes dropping every monday and thursday uh congratulations to uh recent 2020 new york rangers draft pick brett berard was named to uh, Team USA's selection camp for the upcoming World Junior, so that'll be exciting. Hopefully, they can uh, proceed without problem like uh, the Canadian uh, selection camp has. Uh, yeah, and we will see you all next Monday. So everyone, continue to stay safe. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod. If you have any questions for the next podcast, hit us up. Uh, some of our podcasts are in video form. You can watch them on YouTube. Uh, so yeah, go ahead and do that and we will see you all next Monday. Thank you for listening to the Broadway boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway boys pod, and please rate review and subscribe on Apple podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the hockey podcast network.com. You're listening to the hockey podcast network on Twitter at hockey pod New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the hockey podcast network.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.